Hey, this is Pastor Madison. I am so excited that you're tuning in today to the Crosspoint Podcast. My prayer is that this word inspires you, uplifts you, and enlightens you. You can connect with Movement Youth on Instagram at movement underscore youth or the Point College Ministry at the Point College. Let's jump into the message. Okay, we're going to dive into the message. Let's go ahead and pray before we dive in. God, thank you for all these students. This is just so cool that we all get to come together and just get to know you more. And I just pray, God, I see so much um, hunger in these students. They're not here just to hang out with friends. They're here to know you. And that's the coolest thing ever. So I just pray that tonight you would touch hearts like never before and our students would feel closer to you than they ever have before. Just use me in this message. And I just pray that you are so present in this room tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, amen. You guys are fired up. I love it. Okay, so since we're going to be watching a short snippet of a movie, I'm just going to dive right into scripture, okay? So we're going to start with scripture, and then I'm going to show you the short snippet of the movie. And it's in Matthew 4, 18 through 20. It's going to pop up here. Listen, if you do not have a Bible before you leave, in the back there is a box that has Bibles in it. Take one, all right? Matthew 4, 18 through 20. It says, are you guys ready for the word? All right, it says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said. Come follow me. And I just want to pause right there. Because the same Jesus that called those disciples is calling us today. The same God that is calling, that called those people is calling us today. And so you may have a question if you heard Jesus or somebody say, come follow me, right? And it would probably be, where are you going? Like, I don't know about you guys, if I'm following somebody somewhere, I want to know where they're going, right? Like, for those of you that can drive, like, if you're in a car and you're driving and then somebody in front of you, you know, rolls down their window and pokes their head out and is like, hey, follow me, and you don't know who they are, you're going to want to know where they're going, right? It'd be kind of weird for you to just follow them and not know. So that's the question you should probably be asking is, where is he going? And lucky for us, in, the, in that verse, Jesus actually answers where he's going. And he says, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. That's what, it, that's what following him is going to lead you to. Meaning that if you follow me, you're going you're gonna to follow me to the lost, to the outcast. That's where you're going to go if you follow Jesus. Does anybody know what a parable is? Can anybody tell me what a parable is? Come on, I know you know what a parable is. Lizzie, Frizzell, what, what's a parable? Spot on. Give it up for Lizzie. Great job, Lizzie. Yes. Okay, so a parable is basically a story in the Bible that Jesus used to communicate a truth. So, like, he wanted to get a point across, but he knows that... We were kind of stupid, you know. He knows that we needed some stories to really lock in for people that maybe have ADD or ADHD. Like, we got to have some, like, you know, locked-in stories that are exciting and fun. So Jesus was really good at this. But, guys, there are only three times, or there's only one time in the Gospels where Jesus uses three parables to communicate one truth. It only happens one time where he uses three parables, three stories, to communicate one truth. So you know what that means? It means Jesus really wanted them to get this this point of the story. And it is the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And what he wants to communicate is that Jesus goes after that which is lost. If you're taking notes, write that down. Jesus goes after that 
which is lost, which means that he's going to forsake any comfortability that he has with the people that follow him. Because obviously he had disciples that like, wanted to follow him, right? He's going to forsake that, and he's just going to go after the lost. Jesus is countercultural. Mm, that's good. Jesus is countercultural because this is what happens today. You guys have people that tell you to follow them, and this is what they say. Hey, follow me, and I'll show you how to build your success. I'll show you how to build your wealth. I'll show you how to build your empire. I'll show you how to make the kids laugh at you. I'll, make, I'll show them how to make you popular. And Jesus, he flips that because he's countercultural. And instead, he says, follow me, and we're going to go fish for people. He takes the, the, the pressure and the, um, you know, the attention off of us, and he puts it on to the people because he's focused on the lost. And in Matthew 4, like when, I hope you guys caught this, he told two people, to follow him. It was Peter and Andrew. And Peter, in Matthew 4, follows Jesus, but then later on, Jesus goes to the cross, and through all of that, when there's, you know, persecution, and there's people questioning, hey, Peter, did you, were you one of the ones that followed Jesus? Peter denies it. He was like, no. And three times he did it. And this is why. Peter was so stuck in his own comfortability of being accepted that he chose to focus on himself instead of focusing on Jesus and following Jesus. So tonight, we're going to watch a deleted scene from the Titanic. This is probably a scene that you have never seen before, okay? So we're going to watch a scene right now, and then I'm going to come back and deliver the rest of the message. Listen up here. Put your backs into it. Pull! 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 Come on. Pull! will pull us down if we don't keep going. We've lots more room. I say we go back. No! It's our lives now, not ours. And I'm in charge of this boat, madam. Now row! This is the captain! Come back to the ship! All right, so there was this pastor, okay, there was this pastor who, who really felt like God wanted him to study the Titanic, the story of the Titanic, and he had no idea why. He, like, did not know what truth God wanted to reveal to him through this movie, through the Titanic. So he started studying it, and I'm sure, how many of you have heard of the Titanic? But the Titanic was this massive ship, and at the time of when it was around, it was the largest man-made object in the world, okay? So it was the largest man-made object in the world, and it was going from, it was in the Atlantic, and it was going to the U.S., and there were over 2,200 passengers 
on the Titanic. And in the midst of the night, as you guys know, the ship hit an iceberg. And within three and a half hours, the ship had sunk. But here's the deal. In the first hour of them hitting the iceberg, the lifeboats that went out were not even half full. They were like 13 to 20 people at most when the lifeboats could hold 70, okay? So there was many people who weren't saved because they just simply filled the lifeboats half full. And then, obviously, you know, like you saw, boat six was one of the ones that were half full. They probably got out right away, and they could have came back, but they just chose not to, and it was at the cost of many people dying because a lot of people ended up in the water later that night. And the second disaster, because obviously a sinking ship is a disaster, but the second disaster of the Titanic is that the fact that there were so many lifeboats with room to spare, but everybody just kept rowing away from the scene of the disaster. And they just kept rowing away from those who needed to be saved. Because they were just happy with the fact that they themselves had been saved, right? So they were like, we're comfortable, you know, we know that we're good. And only one single boat that night came back to get survivors from the water. Only one single lifeboat. So that's one version of Christianity, all right? We're, we're just happy with the fact that, that we made it, that, that we know Jesus, we know that we're going to go to heaven. We come here on Wednesday nights, we feel good, and even though our boats have so, much, uh, so many more seats, we just throw away because... We just want to get away from the scene of the disaster. The kid in class that is just really weird, you know, our parents who fight all the time, or that one bully at school that's really mean to us, we just roll away from the scene of the disaster because we just want to be happy Christians ourselves. We don't really want to focus on the lost people. I don't know about you guys, but that breaks my heart. I don't want to have that version of Christianity in my life. And the pastor that studied the Titanic, he felt the same way. He was like, I don't like, this breaks my heart. Like, there's got to be another version to this Christianity thing. Like, there's got to be another way. And so he kept studying the Titanic, and he came across this other version. And the version is in and through the life of a man named John Harper. Everybody say John Harper. John Harper was a 39-year-old Scottish evangelist, which means he went around and he told people about Jesus. And John Harper was actually on his way to the U.S., to go preach to thousands of people at a large church. So he was going to Chicago to preach at this church, and with him on the ship was his six-year-old daughter, Annie Jessie. Everybody say Annie Jessie. So John Harper was with his six-year-old daughter, Annie Jessie, and they were on this boat, and they were among the first to realize that they were in danger. They were among the first to be pulled out from their cabins and be told that this ship is going to sink, and you guys need to get out on the lifeboats. And they know this because Annie Jessie was documented as one of the first people in the lifeboat that night. But not John Harper. He was not documented because he put his daughter in the lifeboat and he looked at her and he kissed her on the forehead and he said, I will see you sometime later, honey. I love you so much. And this is all documented later. And he put his daughter down in this lifeboat and he made sure that she was well taken care of. And as they lowered her down... He knew that it was time to go follow Jesus and to go after that which was lost. So John Harper went up to all the cabins and he started knocking and he started yelling and he started saying, women and children and all the people who do not know Jesus, get to the lifeboats now. 
women and children and all the people who do not know Jesus, get to the lifeboats now. And he made that his mission. Because his perspective was, if, if I die tonight, I know where I'm going. I know that I'm saved. But there are people on this boat who don't know Jesus, and I need to go after them. I need to go after that which are lost, and I need to save them because they need to have a moment with Jesus before their life ends. So he had this perspective. And so all around him, these lifeboats were lowered, and he could have gone into any one of them. And honestly, if he would have gone in, none of us would have blamed him, right? Like, I would not have but he didn't. He was calling for people to get into the lifeboats, calling them to safety. And John Harper being, ended up being one of the hundreds of people that ended up in the water that night. And realizing that there was probably no chance of survival at all, he made it his mission and his battle cry to get people to be saved before their lives were ending. And so from the water, all these people started hearing this man cry out, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And testimony after testimony came in after that night. Above all the cries of anguish and all the screams, there was a man by the name of John Harper who was yelling, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And God only knows how many people heard the gospel right before their lives ended and they were able to go spend eternity with Jesus. But a couple of years after this disaster, they had this, this um, like reunion for all the Titanic survivors. And this 19-year-old man, at the time of the disaster, it was a couple years later when they had this reunion, stepped up, and he gave his testimony. And he said, I was 19 when I boarded the ship. And I was one of the many hundreds who ended up in the water that night. And I still remember holding on to a piece of debris trying to make it, but realizing that I'm, I'm going to die tonight before my life had even begun. But then he shared that this current brought him close to a man later identified as John Harper. And this man, John Harper, looked at the 19-year-old and he shouted to him, Do you know Jesus? And this boy was not really prepared for that question at the time, and he didn't know what to say. And John Harper called out to him, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And the current brought them apart and the young man was trying to process what he had just heard. And a few minutes later, the current brought him back over to John Harper. They were back together again. And John Harper called out, Do you know Jesus now? And the young man responded, No, sir. I honestly cannot say that I do. And again, John Harper called out, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. And that was the last time, guys, that anyone saw John Harper. However, that 19-year-old gave his life to Jesus Christ right there in the water that night. And get this, he was the only, he, he was picked up by the only lifeboat that returned to save people that night. And at the survivor's reunion, as he was giving his testimony, he ended it by saying this, which I thought was so powerful. He said, I was saved twice that night. So the pastor that studied all this, he said, and here I was with two versions of Christianity, one where we get into the half-full lifeboats, happy and comfortable, and we just roll away content that we are saved. Or we can be the John Harpers of our generation, realizing that now is the time to follow Jesus where he really is 
going, meaning giving our all, giving our best to find the lost sheep. I want to invite the worship team up. And maybe you guys are here today and you want to recommit to following the original version of Christianity, how it's actually supposed to be. Maybe your life at times, you know, has circled more all around you. It's been all about you. You've been a little bit self-centered. But it's time to recommit to follow Jesus where he's actually going. And some of you guys, you're going to come up with excuses because I can already hear them in your head. You're going to say, they're going to look at me funny. They're going to make fun of me. I can't talk to them. They're super weird. Everybody's going to make fun of me at school. They smell weird. They look weird. And you know what? I'm actually hurting myself. Like, I, I've got anxiety. I've got depression. You know, I've got all this stuff going on. I can't really help other people. How could I possibly do that? And I just want to say that John Harper could have definitely had that attitude, too, because he actually lost his wife. He was a widowed man. And so the only thing that he had left was a six-year-old daughter, and what he could have done is clung to her and got into that lifeboat with her, but instead he was willing to sacrifice himself and set the six-year-old daughter down into her lifeboat and forsake his own rescue. But what if they reject me? It's probably what some of your excuses are, too. What if they reject me? Well, guess what? John Harper was rejected, too. In fact, it's recorded that there was a man who John Harper was trying to save. He gave the offer of, the sal of salvation. He told him about the gospel, and this man completely denied him. And you know what John Harper did? He took off his life jacket. He gave it to the man and said, you need this more than I do. That's the kind of attitude that we have to have as Christians, guys. No more excuses. It is time to follow Jesus. And that means honoring him by doing as he did, of going where he went and where he goes. And that is to the lost. I want you all to close your eyes tonight. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to bring some names and people to mind. Because Jesus is telling you to follow him tonight. And I mean truly follow him, not a superficial follow. This is a deep and true following. So I just want to ask you, where is he leading you tonight? What lost souls does he want to lead you to? Who can you be a witness to? What family member needs to, you to change their eternity? What weird kid at school needs you to be a friend to them to show them the love of Jesus? What person on your team is going down a destructive path that you need to turn around? Hopefully you guys have some names or faces coming to, my, to mind. Do not deny where Jesus is leading you tonight. And here's the thing, if you keep those eyes closed, when the enemy sees you going after those people, you know what you're going to hear? Just like that man started yelling, you're going to hear the enemy yell at you, row, row, just keep rowing. Run away from the persecution. Run away from their problems. Run away from Christianity. Run away from following Jesus. Row, keep rowing. And when the enemy does that, you can look them square in the face and you're going to tell them, I'm going to keep sowing. And I'm going to keep sowing seeds into the lives of the lost. And I'm going to truly follow after you. Jesus. Some of you tonight, you need to recommit to following Jesus because you have lived this other version of Christianity that's superficial. It's all about you. Some of you have completely fallen away. I know there's some new faces tonight. Maybe this is the first time that you've even heard about this Jesus guy. I'm going to give you an opportunity tonight to raise your hand and say, I want to follow him for real. So tonight, if that's you and you, you want to truly follow after Jesus, or you want to recommit your life to him, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, 
two, three. Raise those hands, son. If you need to recommit to following Jesus, there's hands all over the room. Thank you for being bold. You can put those hands down. Let's, let's praise God tonight for that. Now, I, I want us all to just come together as a body of believers, and I want us to pray this prayer all together. So just repeat after me and think about these words. God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I have sinned. I have followed the wrong thing. But I want to follow you. I need you, Jesus. Tonight I choose you. I will live for you. I will follow you. Wherever you lead me, I will go. Help me, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise again. If you enjoyed today's message, I would encourage you to like it or share it on social media. Movement Youth for 6th through 12th graders meets on Wednesday night, and the Point College Ministry meets on Sunday night. We would love to have you join us. Thanks for tuning in.